are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Verse 12 is my text tonight. So I gave them up. God withdrew himself from their own hearts. And they walked in their own heart's lust. And here's my message. And they walked in their own counsel. The book of Judges mirrors this verse. Judges, the theme of Judges is Judges 17, 6, and then the last verse in the book of Judges mirrors that verse. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. I have been here long enough now I can look back. Sometimes we look back and those were just the good old days. I believe we're living the best days. But it's different pastoring today than it was back then. People bought in. Some of you have been around like you're nodding your head. People just, just thought it was right to go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and live the same way Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We have adopted in our churches that it's a Sunday thing and the rest, it's my business. I'll do what I want to do. And if we don't like what the pastor says, now all of a sudden, nationwide, pastors are cult leaders. You know, these independent fundamental Baptists, would you get over that nonsense? The history of America, you have to have the brains of a, an animal cracker not to understand we're all most Presbyterians, old-time religion, Methodists, old-time religion, Congregationalist, old-time religion. We'll get to it in a moment. Since Christmas, not yet. I am so burdened for our country. Churches are not opening up. They're closing in record numbers. You can hardly find a church open on Sunday night. Whatever we're doing, consequently, you young whippersnappers, I take to the internet and take to your own ideas, and you've never even taught a Sunday school class. And you've never built a bus route, and you probably never won a soul to Christ. And you don't read, well, I read my, no, you don't read your Bible faithfully. No, you don't pray. And no, you're not burdened about bringing up the next generation for Jesus Christ. Well, I've got kids. No, you have kids, you have offspring, but you're not training them in righteousness. I'm talking to our internet crowd right now because I truly believe our days are numbered on the internet. I don't know how, but they're not gonna stand for this voice much longer. They want old time religion gone. And those that grew up in it are leaving and say, we don't want it either. About time some of you college kids stop getting around the world and high school kids and young couples and parents and stop the smirk and start to live for God and say, I'll be a soldier of Jesus Christ. So sick and tired of men being offended. Get over it. 
put your little pampers up and grow up. Stop this nonsense. We're offended. The nation is crumbling and you're offended, sir? You're a childish, backslidden person is what you are. When I'm offended in the church, they just don't let me do everything. We don't want you doing everything you're doing. I can't wait to get my emails this week. And they'll come. I can't wait to preachers write me this week. You are watching a nation die before your very eyes. Jeremiah told us about it. Ezekiel told us about it. Isaiah told us about it. Hosea told us about it. Joel told us about it. Told us about it. We are watching before our very eyes the work of God self-destruct. And then we raise up our hands against a church like this. I don't understand that. I know it's going to sound braggadocious, and it's not me. It's because we've worked together under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I cannot tell you, in the last 50 years or longer, when a church out of a Christian school has ever produced 160 people that have gone into full-time Christian service. In the heyday of Highland Park Baptist Church, it never happened. In the heyday of First Baptist Church, Hammond, I know I've got a lot of viewers from there. Thank God, it never happened. In the Tom Malone, Pontiac Mission never happened. And there are greater preachers and greater pulpiteers and greater men of God than I am. God chose to bless this. Don't mess it up. I'm also preaching this message tonight because if God tarries after my departure when you find the next man, he better have rock, 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 rock ribbed, fundamental old, old time religion in his body songs and hymns and spiritual songs and preaching and, and preaching hard and yet preaching with a heart for people and a love for people. We cannot lose this thing, ladies and gentlemen. We can't lose the great North Valley Baptist Church. You say, well, what's going on? It's great. But a soldier of Jesus Christ always has to put his hand on the church and watch what's going on and resist and hold back the floodgates that are trying to come in here. Every preacher that's watching right now, he has a hard battle because it used to be his pulpit and his people, but it's now his pulpit, his people, and Facebook. And people do not like something at a church. They will go find a platform for someone who agrees, and all of a sudden the pastor's no longer the shepherd. And we have a new shepherd, we go to this church, we like this church, we like its programs. It's a lot more than programs here, folks. There's a philosophy here. There's a direction here, and that word philosophy is found in the Bible. Our pastors don't need to cave. You parents, don't cave. Well, they're not happy. Our churches don't need to cave. Verse 11, we see the decisions of God's people. We're going to stop listening 
My people would not hearken to my voice and Israel have none of me. We don't want God. That's what he's saying, the children of Israel, we don't want to hear you. Our decision is we're done with you, God. We're doing pretty good without you. That son that's in your home, that daughter, those children that are in your home, you're not going to be able to raise them without getting in touch with God on a regular daily basis and throughout the day. You're not going to succeed. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to say, God, I'm listening. Talk to me. God, I'm talking to you. I need your help. I need your help. Dear God, I need your help. Their decision was we're going to stop listening. Verse 12 then tells us the discipline because of their decision. God's decision was so I gave them up under their own hearts, lust, and they walked in their own counsels. And I want you to see, consequently, the discouragement of God Almighty. Oh, verse 13, that my people had hearkened to me. I do not want to disappoint our Savior. I have a hard enough time trying to do right before him. You please pray for me. I do not want to discourage his name. Tonight, I'm speaking with you on the subject of this text, compromise. Compromise is surrendering. It's giving up. I've never seen it to this point in our churches like I'm seeing it right now. We're caving. We're giving up. These little girls that just sang here, however many there were in here, eight or nine or 10, whatever was here, those are our little girls that are growing up here. I want them to have a church like it's always been for 43 years. We're teaching harmony, we're teaching heart, we're teaching how to be ladies. And a day where that is scoffed and mocked, I want us to raise them up as girls that are modest according to the word of God, modest apparel, not sensual, not dirty, not looking like they're for sale. Those girls are valuable. And they better find some young men that have courage and have conviction and will not compromise because they're going to be good to the wives and good to the mothers. And they're just an example of 100 plus more girls than that. They're all through this auditorium and college girls as well. They better get a man of God. I'm not saying he's going to have to be a pastor. I am saying he has to be a man of God. Compromise. We believe that compromise is going to work in government. Compromise has never worked. We believe now we can be in the Christian school and parents believe that we can, we can have the school rule book and conviction and that's where it ends. I'll dress like I want, I'll act like I want, I'll do what I want. I just want my kids free from drugs and drink and immorality. Our school is more than that. Its philosophy is to train them for Jesus Christ. Some will become computer programmers. Some may become doctors. 
but you cannot play with this thing and toy with this thing. And all of a sudden, it seems like nationwide, the people are saying, we don't want the preacher to tell us for the word of God. We don't want a direction. We want to do what we want to do. And it's right in our own eyes. I believe we're compromising even in the New Testament church, masculinity and femininity. I told our class we're teaching on how to raise girls right now, young couples, and there's a book that's printed so many years ago, not even saved lady, professor. She wrote the book, Who Stole Femininity? Who Stole Feminism? She said it's a hoax. They believe they're gonna bring in freedom and they're gonna bring in bondage. Men are dressing in little cute little outfits. Rubber tight pants all the way up here and then walk around thinking, we wouldn't dress Mr. Rogers like that and he was not a good dresser. What's so wrong about being a man? If you're not a fruitcake, don't dress like one. Say, you're, you're, Mr. Tim Cook from Apple, say, you're preaching hate. I'm not preaching hate. There's a difference between male and female. Boys and men in these cute little outfits and women masculine. We're losing it. We're trying to, we're trying to improve on God and God created male and female created he them. Compromise is so huge in our churches, in our homes, in our schools. Had a preacher here this past year preaching. He said, I, I preached at your school a year or two ago, and I'm preaching again. I, I know what to expect. But he said, when they tell me I'm preaching in a Christian school, I, I feel like saying, no, no, no. I don't want it. I've preached all over this country. Forty years I've preached all over this country. I've preached over in just the pocket of Los Angeles. I counted one time here about five years, 700 messages in Los Angeles alone. At the great Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, I've preached revival many times, over 110 times in that one church alone. I've preached all over the east and west and south and north. And I'll tell you, in the last many years, they'll say, we want you to preach in high school chapel. It's discouraging. We're, we are, can, can, maybe you know more about it than I do, but maybe you preach in a lot more Christian schools than I have. I preach everywhere. It's discouraging. They don't sing. They don't have a heart for God. I know there's exceptions here and there, but very few sit there with their arms folded and say, to me, big boy. They pull their cell phones out. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, you're smarter in any area than I am. In business, in mathematics, and, and you're smarter in computers and all the medicine that you know, I'll, I'll I'll surrender that to you. You're brilliant. I pastor a very brilliant church. 
But I know what's going on polit- religiously in this country. And if you would please take it from an aging man, I can tell you that we're losing this thing. This summer choirs dropped out all over America, said we're not going to have a choir anymore because nobody wants to sing because they don't want to practice. We're cutting out Sunday school because we cannot get teachers to teach Sunday school classes, we've been told this summer. I thank God tonight our teachers being in the room was packed with teachers. Their extension of this pulpit. When we think of compromise tonight, what causes compromise? A neglect of the scriptures. Because God's word makes it very clear. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, and he begins to explain it to us, why do we have to be so enamored with this world? Well, we look different as Christians. Muslims look different than us too. And they're proud of that. I say that as a compliment to them. Hindus look different, yes, because they, they believe in what they believe. But we should not be letting Hollywood determine where we're going. Love not the world. That's not a suggestion. God says, don't love the world. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable in God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed, squeezed in the mold of this world, but be transformed, be different. We ought to be like a Christian on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back on Sunday, living as a Christian. God's Word says in 1 Thessalonians, abstain from every appearance of evil. If the Holy Spirit of God says, don't say that, don't do that, don't dress that way, don't act that way, don't go there, then obey the Spirit of God. You say, well, he doesn't talk to me like that. Eight, nine, if he doesn't speak to you, you're none of his. Because the Holy Spirit of God, John chapter 16, one of his purposes is to convict us of sin and wrong. The Scriptures if we're going to avoid compromise, surrendering, giving up and giving in and giving over, we're going to have to get back to the Word of God. Reading it, studying it, living it, feeding upon it. Secondly, we need to learn from history. I truly believe that even in our churches, we have become ignorant toward our own country. The average Christian could not tell you what the preamble says and how it begins. Don't know anything about the Bill of Rights. 
don't know why it's so very, very, very important to have electoral college. Those men had great, great wisdom when they put that in there, but we don't know it. There's a constitution in here, I think, in the bookstore costs a dollar. If you don't have a dollar, just go pick it up and I'll pay for it. And read it and study it and know our history. Most Christians could not tell you a difference between a pilgrim and a Puritan. What's a Puritan? What's a pilgrim? Most people could not tell us who the governor was when he said, let's have a day called Thanksgiving. Most have no idea of those 56 signers that literally, as they signed that constitution, literally forfeited all of their possessions. Most lost their, they lost all their lands. Some lost their health. They, lost, they were burned out and they said, we believe in this thing called America. Most don't understand why we established America. It was for, contrary to what the news media says, religious liberty. Well, we've compromised. We don't know history. We know the television. We know sports. We know play. But when was the last time you actually studied American history? Then if you would, you might be a little bit upset that we're losing it. Like the 26-year-old girl, is that what she is in New York? Says, I'm a socialist. Electing a governor who's a sodomite ran on that platform. And state after state legalizing marijuana and legalizing sin and legalizing uh, unrighteousness and upset about righteousness. We are are surrendering our country because we don't know our history. We don't know the history of old time religion. In the 17 and 1800s, something was blown across universally the countries of the world, but here even in the United States. We began to think that a man, because of the Enlightenment age, we began to think that a man was not educated for a pulpit unless he went back to Germany, my family's homeland, where so much religion has begun. And he wasn't educated unless he went back to Germany and received training in rationalism. Rationalism, which is self-thought. In the 17 and 1800s, the world, the nations of the world, began to get upset at the dogmas, the convictions, the foundations of various churches and religions, and they didn't like all the dogmas, and they said rationalism says you can rationalize the scriptures as you see fit. And we've introduced that to the world. It really began to show up in the late 1800s. 
where we even began to think that maybe, just maybe there was something called evolution. And preachers bought in. Lyman Stewart owned Standard Oil. Lyman Stewart was a Christian. He contacted R.A. Torrey, 1900, 1902. Said, Dr. Torrey, you need to write a book entitled The Fundamentals. I want you to write the book because our churches are corrupting. We are becoming social agencies. We are questioning the word of God. We are trying to accept social religion. We are trying to make light of preachers and beg on education. I want you to write the book called Fundamentals. We sell them, I think, in our bookstores. It's about a three-volume set. And he took words and he talked, talk, this is why we believe this. I hear words today, even in Christian circles, I'm thinking, we used to never use that word. You didn't get that, you got that from compromisers. It's sort of like Campus Crusade back in the 70s said, I don't want you folks using the word repentance and using the word hell and using the word sin while you're soul winning and witnessing. Those are words that you don't want to use anymore. And we try to water things down. You've heard me say it so many times that moves along here uh, into eight, 1948, Park Church on the East Coast, Pastor Harold Ockingay. He got tired of fighting. Got tired of the fight. And he came out here to Pasadena in 1948 and spoke at the graduation of Fuller Seminary. Most men would come out of colleges and come to Fuller Seminary, Charles Fuller. He believed in old time religion, his son, yet Daniel did not. Soon they began to get faculty and the faculty began to compromise. And Harold Ockingay said at graduation, today I introduce a new word called neo-evangelicalism. Neo, N-E-O, a new standard. And he said, we need to be more academics. We need to take less a stand and be so, not so harsh with our stand. Can't we just get along? Isn't that amazing? It's just always one way. Liberals want us to get along, but they don't want to get along with us, even religiously. He said, I'm proposing at graduation, we have more social program in the cities that we live in. No, we're not a social agency, ladies and gentlemen. We're a church, a called out assembly. They were so worried in these days. Uh, Mr. Uh, Meacham, who was with the Presbyterians, was so upset. He was trying to lead the Presbyterians back to old-time religion. They at one time stood strong for it. He went to his college, Princeton. It was a Presbyterian college established for preachers. 
and he pled with them, we're corrupting our schools, and our schools are corrupting our churches, and we're producing boys and girls out of our college and our compromisers. They scoffed him and mocked him. Fighting Bob Schuler, the great old Methodist preacher in Los Angeles, the great church he had down there, at the same time was fighting modernism and Methodism. Methodism was old time religion. They had a shout, they had a song, they, had, they wrote all these hymns in our hymn book. He's pleading for their movement. Methodists, come back to God. We had J. Frank Norris. We had T.T. Shields. We had four, four great preachers in, in Canada, one and three in the States, and they worked together, and they began to spawn these ministries. We had the American Baptist Convention. That's why in almost any town, when you go to a town that's called First Baptist Church, it's normally, not all the time, normally an American Baptist Church. They were the first. And then they had the Northern Baptist Convention split and the Southern Baptist. And it was almost on the line that runs through the United States. The North were great Bible teachers, great men of great, great stature of the Word of God. They were great thinkers and they wrote and they tried to bring a nation, their, that Northern Baptist Convention back by their writings and by their teachings. The North ba basically never said amen. You'd come to church as normally highbrow, but they believed in the old time religion. The South was a Southern Baptist. They had the shout. Eventually, they had the Lee Robertsons and the J. Frank Norris. And eventually, they had Lester Roloff. And there were some, Dr. Criswell stayed in there until his death, and he wrote on the King James Bible, why it's the preserved word of God. And then those groups, North and South, begin to corrupt. So spinoff of the North is the CBA, the Conservative Baptist Association of America. And I grew up in that church. And the GRB, the Grand Association of Regular Baptists, great, great preachers, great men of God. All these groups, both North and South and the BBF, they were standing for truth and standing for right and standing for old-time religion. Almost without fail, they've all corrupted the big IFCA movement. Independent Fundamental Churches of America has nothing to do with us. It had to do with Presbyterian and Methodist. Presbyterian, excuse me, Methodist and Congregationalist. We have been known as independent. All these groups are all looked at as independent, fundamental type Baptists. And now the internet has grouped us as some cult. We've always been old time religion. Always had in this country. These young whippersnappers and these fellows that are unwilling to take a stand for God are trying to redefine who we are. Our music and our churches no longer come from our hymn book and from old songs that move the heart. They come from the internet, from contemporaries, and then we try to Christianize them.
Our dress standard doesn't come from a pastor or a pulpit that's preaching the word of God. Instead, it comes from people that decide, I want to wear this. We stop looking at the scriptures, number four, number three, what God's prophecy says. Paul said, after my departure, Acts 20, shall grievous wolves come in among you. This is the first church. This is the first century church. After my departure, grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing your own flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things. Jude says it this way in verse number four. He said, there'll be men that creep in unawares. What is their goal? Destruction. I'm not saying every church has to be like, like us, but why don't you let us be what we want to be here? And why don't you stop trying to redefine the church? Oh, our heritage is so great. I'm glad I grew up in the era, and I remember Monroe Parker Dr. Monroe Parker, what a, what a man of God, staying in our home. Cedar home, Dr. Cedar home, what a great man of God. Tom Malone, Lee Robertson, and Bobby Robertson. I think of my own pastor, Dr. Ken Smith, Warhorse, Curtis Hutchinson, and Harold Seitler, and Oliver B. Green, Frank Norris, and T.T. Seals and Arnold Winnegar and Archer Winnegar, the five Winnegar brothers were all great preachers. And W.B. Riley and John Rice, men of God that stood for God. All those fellows had choirs. All of them had music. And now we're getting rid of the choirs and getting rid of and we're getting rid of the pulpits and we're bringing little worship teams in. We never had worship teams. It came from the charismatics. It came from the charismatics. I'm not a charismatic. We don't speak in tongues around here. We don't do faith healing around here. I'm not a charismatic. My friend, who was my dear friend, I wrote him just a month or two before he died. He wrote me back, sent me his book, Jerry Falwell. We couldn't have Jerry in those last many years. He had changed so much. Jerry Falwell said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, he got the PTL club from Jim Baker, the charismatic thing the tongue-talking thing. He got it. He got their hotels. He got all the water slides. He got all the parks. When Jim Baker went to jail with his ministry, they said, I, I see something here. We're going to start a program. They started, we started worship team where you can learn how to be a worship leader. That's that Bible, friend. That was borrowed from the charismatics. I have to close. I think number five, what we're missing is the future. Where is this going? I tell you where it's going, it's gonna get your kids out of church. 
and consequently your grandkids undoubtedly will never get saved. Because mom and daddy are going to think that church is not that important. Here's what happened in our country. It's called liberalism. And out of liberalism was spawned, was spawned modernism. And from liberalism, we went to modernism. And from modernism, we went to neo-orthodoxy. And from neo-orthodoxy, we went to new evangelicalism. And from new evangelicalism, we went to the contemporary church just a few years back, and now we're, we came to the emergent church. The emergent church is you paint your ceilings black, you have this ball in the middle that spins around, you have all the color lights going on and off, you have your rock group and your jazz group going, you sit the preacher on a stool, there's black pants and black t-shirt, and you don't bring a Bible because you scare people off with the Bible, and you don't preach, instead you lecture to them. But God has not chosen the foolishness of lecturing. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. And now we have this garbage, and it's, I tell you, it's, it's just like going to a nightclub, I guess. Just like going to a tavern. Nearby, we have a tavern that stays open, but a church meets in there now, and you can drink your beer as you go to church. That's blasphemy. You know, the tables could turn on me here. And we said, we don't want him. And that would not surprise me one day, though I pastor the greatest church. We have the greatest school, we have the greatest college. Because I'm not budging. And consequently, If you want me to budge, you're going to have to get rid of me. And so I know, well, he's been here a long time. He can't do this anymore. These precious little kids, Mother Nathan Mann and Alicia, your little daughter, just turned four. She came with her sisters first time tonight. Shook their hand. I want those girls to have something. I don't want this to be a closed-down building on Sunday night. I don't want those buses sold off that are reaching boys and girls, men and women. Man showed up at one of our members' house this week to do some work. He'll be there, I think, much of this week, if I'm not mistaken, doing work. It's a problem that they had to fix. Our member began to Behind him to church, a witness goes, I, I went to that church. My brother and I rode bus number, and he told the bus number. Went to junior church for two years at your church. I loved it. It's out of church now. 
I was in an appointment just the other day, and the lady said, my boys grew up on your buses. They're all in church now. All in church. Every week in my life, someone says, I rode your buses. I wish they all still came here. So many of them are scattered all over the place. I know it's not a Christmas message. I'll get nicer the rest of the month, but the truth is this is very nice because I'm burdened for your children and your grandchildren. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.